Hello, YouTube! Rizvon here from Toku Secrets, uh, joined today by Anthony Davis and Nathan DeSau. You. And we're here to bring you episode three of Toku Secrets, which is also coincidentally our third part to the uh, Resa Sentai Tokuser season review we've been doing for the last uh, few days now. Now, tonight, we're going to be talking about um, everything past episode 31 until, give or take, episode 43. Yeah, 43. Sorry about that. Now, um, epi- now when we left off, we had been introduced to a new character named Akira, who was our Tokyo 6, uh, in Japanese, called Tokyo Rokugo. Yep. And also, we're introduced to the Hyper Resta mode, which is basically another, like, power-up super mode, battleizer thing. I don't know, what is the Sentai equivalence to that in America? Uh, it's, it's, it's equipped to a super mode. It's called yeah, super mode? They're basically yeah. called, they're called uh, super rangers, basically. Okay. I'm still kind of learning all the lingo for uh, some of the Sentai stuff. And this is, this one is pretty much like the exact same as the, uh, Shinkinger ones. Only one ranger can access it at a time. Yeah. Which I really think was lame in terms of Shinkinger. But here, it kind of worked. And I can't explain why I think that. It just seemed like it's appropriate that one person wore this freaking golden-plated armor and run around fighting rather than all six of them. Yeah. Though, before we get on to the actual review... Something I've been kind of bugged about since we began, like, since Tokyo got to this point. How on earth is it that Rokugo could wear the hyper mode, but yet they couldn't turn into orange? Wait, what do you mean? I mean, okay. So, right in one episode prior, wanted to Tokyo Sains into orange yep. and trade with him. But. He was told by conductor and ticket he can't. But yet, Rokugo can take the hyper mode and, be- and do that. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. Like, what's the exclusivity of Orin's being off limits to Data 5, but yet, uh, hyper mode not being off limits to him? I guess uh, we'll just go with the excuse that we came up with for everything in Tokyo during the last video Imagination! No, 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 Nathan, Nathan. You have to do it with feels, okay? Do you understand what I, what I mean by feels? Yep. Imagination! Imagination! No. It's imagination! 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 Oh, I can see myself, twi- like, an, after we're done with Tokyo, they're just randomly doing some other videos, just yelling out, imagination, like that. <laughs> Actually, I might become, like, a catchphrase at some point. Instead of saying, like, there's a simple explanation for it, just like imagination. Bam. Anyway, um... Now, now that we've gotten that little tangent out of our not of, out of our system, let's talk about Hyper Resta Terminal, episode 31, or... If you want to be more precise, it's, uh, Station 31. Anyway, so, the Tokyo users are on their quest to find her hometown and also vanquish the saddle line 
and basically do everything we know that Tokus is to be doing on a daily basis, aside from, right, eating and whatever. Um, they get a message from up from their uh, main office called the Hyper-Arrested Terminal, summoning them for a meeting with the uh, Rainbow Line president. Now, up until this point, Hyper-Arrested Terminal and the Rainbow Line president were never mentioned as far as I remember. I could be wrong about that. They might have been... It could have been hinted at, like, slightly when the Apple Changer came in, but I think that's about it. Yeah, I remember, like, a slight hint at it that there's something more than just conductor and ticket as, like, the Tokitsur presence, I guess you could say. I mean, I guess it was kind of obvious, given that Akira was working for some group, and he had, like, a Tokyo helmet, but he wasn't actually one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that kind of... We kind of had an idea that this existed, but we were never aware that it existed, if that makes any sense to the viewers. So, clearly, this is a big deal. Clearly, something big's about to happen. So, the gang gets to a uh, hyper-arrested terminal, which, by the way, is a secret location that seems on a daily basis, given the fact that hyper-arrested tra- terminal is actually a train. A really big train. Anyway, um... So, when they get to the uh, hyper-arrested terminal, they disembark, um... to go meet the uh, Rainbow Line president... While the workers all go and begin cleaning up all the darkness that had accumulated from all the previous battles with the saddle line. Now, that's something that's actually really important because over time, that darkness can accumulate and uh, cause significant trouble for our dear Tokitsu friends. Um, meanwhile, Marcianus Mork, uh, I hate that name, it's hard to say, it's Whatever. I don't actually like the character to begin with. You could actually just call him Mork, I guess. I'm gonna call her Mork. Yeah, Mork. And you guys better deal with it, because I'm the reviewer. I didn't... Her name was so complicated, but I didn't, I didn't even know uh, what her name was. Like, I actually had to ask Anthony, like, a yeah. few later, so... I can't, I can't pronounce it either. Like, I'm trying to figure out what this title actually means. Like, Morse, Marciana, whatever... Like, I don't actually know what this title means. It is apparently an actual word, though, because I did once type it into Microsoft Word, and, it, and there was no red line to indicate it was not in the dictionary, so... Hmm. It's apparently legit. That's interesting. I type it into Google, and the first thing I get is Marcianus Disaster. And it looks like something in London that happened where a collision between two crafts in the river had um, killed like 51 people. So, I'd say that's a pretty accurate name for this girl. Uh, not woman, but thing. That's- Again, I don't like this character at all. She's so really irritating to me. She's in the one. I-, I feel like I feel like she's a grandma in a sense. Ugh, yeah. Like, she just looks like a grandma kind of character, and it's not the good, cuddly apple pie grandma, it's that dark, sinister, I'm here to fuck your life up grandma. Well, almost every Sentai usually has, uh, 
a random villain that's just added in at the last minute, and they're usually not really the interesting villains. And some of them can be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And annoying. well, um, oh, this right here. Her name derived from the word using the Scandinavian, which is that Swedish, more and Danish, Norwegian, more basically. Okay, Anthony, I'm going to stop you right there because you're speaking Cyprus because you're Mike. I hate my mic. And I are better. Oh, I was explaining to it saying that her name is derived from the word dark using Scandinavian languages that being Swedish or something. That that would do it. And she's voiced by Reiko Suzuki. Anyway, so Mork learns that the hyperrest terminal has appeared and orders Baron Nero to go uh provide a distraction while C and Zet go trying to guard a terminal. Um, meanwhile, Tokizers are in the station, and Nero and, Don- and his little monster dining set brothers, who, by the way, brilliant, irritating characters, I must say, um, they appear, and the Imperial Kriner and everything else that goes with it is a pretty big fight. Um, during the fight, Wright and the others um, they they use a bus to uh, travel to the next station. Yeah, like I'm trying to remember why would he use a bus. Like I have I have my notebook down here that there's it, a bus, and I'm like, wait, why is there a bus again? Okay, I think it was because I mean you just said like the ratios were being clean, so naturally yeah. they use those. Yeah. Okay, so that's why. Sorry, I was derping for a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. All right. <laughs> So, um, they get to the Axel battle, and they see, um, Emperor Z, who's trying to kill a little girl, and right at this point, has no more reason to hold back against Zet, and they have an all-out brawl to the death, him and Z, and then Z, um, why am I calling him Z? I think it's because of Nathan, Zet, as I call him from the subtitles. Uh, it's starting to, like, get really weakened, and, uh, Mork comes in and, like, magics him out of there, and, uh, General Swartz learns that Lyra is still alive somehow within the Emperor's body. So it's, like, a really big episode where things are really happening. Um, meanwhile, they defeat the Dining Set Brothers for the most part. They're not completely gone yet. And... Right used the hypertokeezer power to uh, vanquish whatever's left. And everything seems to be good because Sarasato is kind of gone and all's good. However, back at uh, Hyperrest Terminal, um, Conductor and Ticket tell the tokeezers that as of this moment, the president of the Rainbow Line has uh, disbanded them. Did did we see the president of the Rainbow Line in person in this episode? No, I don't think we did. Okay, because if we did, I'm, we're probably going to have to take a few minutes to talk about him. But Oh, we're going to take a few minutes and talk about him. Yeah. Then we're going to take a few minutes and talk about Ticket again. Just saying. Um, so that's pretty much the end of the th- episode 31. 32 is the expected response of Everyone wanting, demanding answers of why the Tokyo's routine is getting disbanded. 
and Wright feels that his it's his right to get direct answers from the president. So he and the other four go running through this terminal to go find him. But as they're on their way to the uh, president's office, they see their reflection in a uh, mirror, and they realize they're no longer adults; they're just children. Which is kind of weird because if they look down, they are wearing—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're still their adult forms. So. Yeah, pretty much. Dun dun dun. That would explain why why Tokyo Three was all like shy around boys. Not because she didn't she was uncomfortable. It's just that she's a little girl. She's not old enough to be able to understand how dating works. That also kind of makes the bathhouse episode a little bit creepy when you think about it with the fan service. But yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, we got some fun talks about that. I'm just pointing that out, like, yeah. doing fan service with a girl who's supposed to be, like, nine years old or something, that is creepy, even by Japanese standards. Yeah. It, y- you know what? We're not gonna go there. Because that just takes me to a place I don't want to go. I'm just glad, I'm just glad that these girls are just, they're just cute. They're not sexy, they're not, yeah. like, they're just cute. They're not. Well, actually, if we if we could go on a tangent again, I haven't seen many Sentai's, but the ones I've seen haven't had many like really hot or sexy uh, women. It's mostly like the cute, the adorable, the doll. Look at that one. She's so adorable with the, you know, whatever demeanor they have. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Wait, you don't even think about that about Luca? Not really. I think Luca's just a badass. Yeah, Luca's a badass. Luca's nowhere near the definition of like sexy. See, fits the definition of badass more than anything else. Yeah, I could probably uh, go with that. Um, Yeah, I can't really think. With the exception of maybe a go on silver and go on treasure. There's really no uh, Sentai girls that I actually found like outright hot or anything. I I, yeah. I don't actually know what Goans or Silver looks like, so I can't weigh in on that one. Well, maybe Patrick could vouch for me if he was in here, but unfortunately he's not. So, anywho, so uh, they meet the president of the Rainbow Line, and as per Nathan's request. Let's talk about this guy for a second, because this guy warrants a little disgusting. He's a frickin' rabbit. He's a bunny rabbit. He had... There's something weird about this, though. Like, in a Pee Wee Herman way of weird. And that's... I say that because... First, he got the weird, creepy conductor guy who just yells, Imagination! And on his hand is a little puppet named Ticket who insists that he is sentient. And at some point during the show, I want to believe he actually is sentient. But then we get the president of the Rainbow Lion, and it's literally a dude standing there and like a... Was he wearing a similar outfit to a conductor? I don't remember. He was kind of somewhat similar. And they're... 
And, like, I'm pretty sure that he's not technically a rabbit. He's just a guy wearing a big, like, rabbit helmet, I guess you could call it. It's one of those, like, fake rabbit helmets you get for, like, a costume. Yeah. And, and, even though I would tell, because, like, he, he sometimes, like, wears out, like, on the wrong side. Like, he has to face it, face it, you know, the right side of his face. So, Wright just looks at him like... What the fuck? What? What? And he tries desperately to remove the um, helmet to prove that the president is nothing more than a human. But, no. They can't do it. Anyway, so the president explains to them that the reason they're being disbanded is actually for their own good because the darkness would eventually make them adults forever. It's discovered that they're actually just children whose uh, imagination has uh, saved them from having the darkness consume them just like it did their hometown of... Hang on a sec while I try to say this name. Subaragahama? I think I got that more correct than I did last time. Yeah, yeah, you got it right. Okay, so next time I gotta say it without any pause. Silence accepted. Um, but anyway, instead of agreeing to allow the disbandment to happen, the, uh, Donnie said brothers return and, uh, Akira goes off to meet them. But instead of, like, just being on his own, Wright and the others continue to fight because it means there's no way to return to his original aides. Even if it means not returning to the original aids, he still wants to fight because he feels he owes it to them to continue doing it. And the rest of the team agrees to the same thing and they go out and help Ikira. And they defeat the Dining Set Brothers through the Hyper 5 Connection Crass and all the other awesome mech stuff, which we're not going to go into because it's all filler at this point. Sorry, I'm finding the fights in this uh, season a lot more unnoteworthy as we go along because there's nothing really less special about them. And really, that's just a Tolkien in a nutshell. I mean, like, that's probably the reason why we can't really put much villain into this, because there's really nothing special about Tolkien at the end of the day. I mean... I mean, there really isn't. And I mean, look, at, the only thing that really comes out of this episode is the confirmation that the children, that there's just children with the imagination that saved them from becoming part of the frozen people that are still in their hotel. They're basic kids in adult bodies. Yeah. They do learn their last names in this episode, too, though. Yeah, they learn their last names at the end, where they, um... Remember that when they're looking at the night sky during their star festival? Yeah. Um, they're actually singing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, and... kind of creepily, Emperor Zet is also singing along back at his own castle. Um... So, at this point, I'm kind of wondering what the heck is the con- uh, connection between the two of them. Because clearly there's a connection here now. Did we did we also mention that uh, this is also uh, the debut of the last Mega they get, uh, Hyper Ratio Teo? No, but now we did. Okay, well... I will say that this is the like final one with like all the stupid... This is the one with Hyper Ratio Terminal mixed in, right? Yeah. I'm going to go on the record here and say that was the worst mecha I've ever seen ever. 
in both TV series and tour form. Well, and, and here's why. There is no creativity to how they all fit together. They just kind of slide into like little holsters and they become a bigger mech. Wait, 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 wait. are you are you talking about the final mecha combination? Yeah. No, we don't see this. We don't see this until later. We see, uh, this is, uh, just that, uh, the hyper-ratio in its own form. Oh, well, okay, yeah, that's, that's a bit better. And, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I actually do kind of, uh, like the look of this. It, it looks a lot better in the show, because I've seen the toy version. Toy, yeah, I was like, toy. Of Teo or of, uh, Rainbow? Uh, Teo. Teo. Okay. And the toy yeah, Teo's is just, okay. I don't mind Teo. It's the rainbow one that I really don't like and at all. The, the toy of Teo is just just no. But is it really? I mean, I haven't seen it. Yeah, like I'm looking at it right now, and it's pretty much just a brick. Like you can't even tell that it has legs, actually. That's but, depressing. But yeah, as as far as like a final met, I still think of Bill Dio was actually the best looking of the four uh, split up of the four just as separate mechs. But this one, I'll I'll probably rank as number two. It looks pretty cool. I'd actually argue that um, Diesel O on its own is pretty awesome looking. Yeah, I, I like pretty much everything except Tokyo o to me looks pretty awesome. So anything involving Diesel O as a primary is really awesome to me. Okay, so that's... So that's pretty much episode 32. Now, unfortunately, again, we're plagued not with insightful story to further the characters, like, anything, but instead we're given, uh... more filler. Yay. The next episode is essentially, um... The conductor and ticket are starting to notice that the Tokyo's are uh, maturing a lot more. Raiden and Hikari are beginning to train as in karate because they've remembered over time that they used to know karate from Wright's grandfather and out are sparring, and the others are um, just watching and hanging out. And the entire episode focuses on them just fighting a Sado town with people that do karate. And I mean, it kind of has a, it kind of has some interesting development between Kikari and Wright. But at the end of the day, it really amounts to nothing, because it didn't really change anything afterwards. It was still a good episode. It was a good episode, but nothing changed. And this is one of the things I don't like about Tokyuzer, and I know this is our first uh, Sentai review we've done on this uh, podcast, and I know it's, like, probably not the best one to do for our first time around, but I just gotta say, Tokyuzer is starting to really lose me here. Like, when I was watching these episodes the first time around, I was really losing my interest in the season, and I was really just biding my time until Ninja came out. Pretty much. Yeah. I. But if you really want to talk about a bad filler episode, just wait until the next one. Oh, we're gonna skip the next one. Okay, but just to kind of... <laughs> no, 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 we're going to talk about it for like a split second. Actually, um... I think... No, it's later on. Anyway. 
Yeah, so the next one is Mio-centric. Actually, Nathan, here, have it. I, w- I would actually call it Togachi-centric, because, well, yeah, that's really the only character that the show really cares about, but basically the basic premise of this episode is that <clears throat> uh, the Tolkutras are battling against this uh, billiard shadow, and after Mio helps this uh, just random bystander, the dude, who is incredibly creepy, I should add, falls in love with her, and she is creeped out by him, so she tries to use Akira as a fake boyfriend so that she can fake that, you know, it's, it's pretty much one of those typical stories where, like, this guy likes this girl, but the girl doesn't like the guy, so she's using a guy to be her boyfriend to keep this guy uh, off her. You know, I guess you could kind of say that it's kind of like that episode of Power Rangers in Space where uh, Ashley uses Carlos to be her boyfriend so that her grandmother will stop bothering her. Yeah, I remember that yeah. But, but, and that's pretty much the, and, and pretty much the episode is just them following Akira and Mio around while they're pretending to be on a date. Akira is just acting really serious all throughout the entire episode, which, you know, like, like, and he doesn't even know how to go on a date, which I guess is kind of funny, but... Actually, I find the entire thing really hilarious, but at the same time, I didn't like the episode. The only reason I would like the episode is because Akira's role in it. Otherwise, this episode can go down in a fire. And it also, and and it also kind of uh, continues on to show that uh, Togachi has feelings for Mio since he gets really angry throughout the entire episode. And apparently, like in this episode, Wright was about to use the hyperasia. But Togachi literally snatches it out of his hand and said, get out of my way. I mean, he, like, goes hyper mode. And yeah. It, and I'm never going to forget this episode either because I actually have I have a friend who, believe it or not, is really obsessed with Tokyujer. Like, I'm not even kidding. Um, and he messaged me after he watched this episode and he was all like, oh, my God, Nathan, like, like, that the last Tokyo episode was hilarious. Like this is cemented Tokyo as my favorite Sentai, and I just I just shook my head when I watched the episode. Like I actually like after this episode, I actually took a break from Tokyo. Like it really like set me off the Sentai. It was really that bad. I took a break a little bit before uh, Hyper Rusted Terminal happened, and I plowed through until about episode thirty nine, I believe. And then I quit for a while again, and then I picked it up again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, nothing really important happened there. Um, episode 35, the stolen terminal. Um, stuff begins happening again. Emperor, uh, Emperor Zet's in a really bad mood because he can't take over the leader's light. So, Mork and uh, Nero stays an attack on the hyper rest of terminal. And the Tokyujers come to the uh, aid of the terminal and the president, but they can't break through the barrier. And instead, the uh, they use the drill to um, try and break. Th- Wait, do no, they need drill to break through? I think they do. They don't have the drill ratio at the moment. Actually, General Schwartz stole it back in a uh, twenty-nine. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, basically what happens here is that uh, the the shadow line becomes under it. Well, no, no, no. The hyperation terminal comes under attack by the shadow line forces. So the president decides to allow the Tokyujers to combine all 13 of their ratios to form their final mecha, Tokyo Rainbow. And, and this is what the mecha I really hate. Gotcha. Moving on. And the episode ultimately resolves with, well, first Akira goes after General Schwartz to to get the drill ratio back, but when the Tokyujers are getting desperate to get it back while he's in the midst of a battle with General Schwartz, he literally stops the battle, and we don't get a revelation on what happens until, like, three or four episodes later, but basically Akira makes an agreement with General Schwartz and as a result, he gets the drill ratio back, and that's how they form Tokyo Rainbow. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm gonna agree with Riz, like, this is the worst Final Mecha I have ever seen. I know. Like like I said before, this is the mech that basically has all the other mechs kind of line up on it and kind of just attach, like, no creativity, no ingenuity, just, oh hey, train on my chest, train on my stomach train on my arm and I'm good to go and while we're on this episode I do also want to say I think this is also one of the weaker episodes that debuts the final mecha in general because the only Sentai that I have watched uh, watch me no 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 uh, no there's like two or three Sentais I think that have only done this good uh, a good example I think of a season that introduced the final mecha would probably be Gokaiger since, uh, like, them introducing Kanzen Gokaio was, like, a really big thing. Like, they were battling against the, like, one of the guys who, up until this episode, was, like, the final, considered the final boss. And they were fighting against this really big machine that established in the last episode was, like, incredibly OP. So, I like that, but with this episode and it just being, like, a rushed, like final combination episode, I, I just hate it. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. It, to me, it, it almost felt like another filler episode half the time. I know that it technically debuts a the final mecha, but it's still, to me, this episode still wasn't really that special. It really wasn't. And then, the couple of episodes after are also nothing really all that great. I mean, yeah, the next one's one of my favorite fillers because it involves Hikari big time. But at this point, I'm just so tired of filler. I'm really getting tired of filler. The only other, the only thing about this episode that really matters is that could also be kind of considered interesting is that we actually don't see Akira in this episode until the last minute, where when like he shows up in Build Dio to help him in the Mecha battle. But that's about it. Well, okay. So just to give a quick, quick recap. Um. Akira has gone off to search for Sado Towns because in a previous episode he made a deal with General Swartz to get the drill racer back. The contents of the uh, deal weren't revealed at the time, but suffice to say, General Swartz told him at some given point in time, you will join me on the Sado line again, and we're going to take down Emperor Z in our own terms. And Akira agrees because they want to get drill racer back. So, knowing all this, Akira goes searching for Sadotowns to hopefully find their hometown to help them out before he has to go deal with becoming Swartz's lackey for a little while. Pretty and, much. Yeah. 
on this episode, they find um, a station that has a familiar name. And Hikari realizes that this is the town where their um, t- former teacher used to be from before she came to t- teach them, like... She was a substitute teacher that came from here to t- a teacher a day or two. They remember her name, remember where she's from, and came looking for her. And what they found is that the perfect, beautiful, awesome teacher that they fell in love with as children was actually a college flunky who was on the verge of, like, flunking out of school, had no motives in life to, like, really become a teacher, had given up on all academia. And Hikari spends the entire episode trying to convince her that she has a dream. She has to hold on to the dream and believe in it. And by the end of it, um, she remembers her dream of being a teacher, and she's on her way back to becoming a teacher again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, and the only reason that she lost her drive is because, surprise, there's a shadow monster who was taking away all their dreams and leaving them with nothing. I guess it's cool. I mean, obviously, since Hikari was part of, was like the main character in this episode, I did like it fine, but still, this. I just have to admit that this was kind of the point where I was literally, I had literally just stopped caring about the future, like, because of all these fillers. Yeah. Like, there's nothing at all that really helped. Nope. I mean, we're getting, like, we're getting little nuggets, if you may, of information thrown at us every now and then, kind of enticing us that there is a plot. They're trying to find their home. They're trying to liberate their home and bring things back to normal and defeat the darkness. But I think they fail to convey that really well because they're more concerned with putting out more episodes than they were with putting out a concise and good story to match the needs of what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. And, I mean, that's basically um, what that was all about. Um, After this point, um, we get a... We get a Takati episode. Yeah, and the episode was not only bad, it really confused me, actually, with the whole, uh, like, apparently it's just... uh, like, it's all about this... Oh, okay, they're going to a Shadow Town this time, and they're taught... And the and the Keeper of the Shadow Town is based off of a knight, because I think we established in the, in the last um, <clears throat> review that all of the Keepers of Shadow Towns are, like, based off of chess pieces. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's all about the Tolkutors being forced to take a test. Oh, like, no, 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 a quiz. And, like... Togachi keeps on, like, wondering how he's supposed to answer when he's asked about me or something. Like, it was a confusing episode, and I cannot keep up with it. Okay, here's a solution to the problem. It's more filler, nothing happens, moving on. <laughs> no, I, no, I think it was in this episode that we do find out 
Wadakira's uh, deal with uh, General Schwartz was to get the drill ratio back. I think that's in the next one, actually. Oh, okay. Because I, th- I think, maybe? No, the next episode is actually uh, the movie one. I don't think we find out about it here. It's No, it's definitely later on. It's definitely in the Christmas episode. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, no. That episode was a waste of my time. I don't even want to talk about it. That's how bad it was. And again, sorry, but the season has gotten really bad at this point. And it really sucks, too, because I was really hoping that this would be kind of pull another go sager with me where like I don't like the first half but when I like watch the last chunk of episodes I really like it and I'm just thinking like wow when did where was all this epicness in the first half of the show but now I'm just thinking like can we go back to the last few filler episodes because those were kind of fun yeah I mean it's bad when you're wishing for a filler from before like why can't we have more kingdom a detective can we just talk about that for a minute that we need more kingdom a detective we need serious kinematic We need Hikari in his Sherlock Holmes outfit walking around solving crimes. That needs to be like a spinoff right now. He does appear as Kindama Detective for like five seconds in the next episode, actually. Okay, but my point is we need a spinoff where all we have is Hikari going around and solving mysteries with a Kindama. How's that? I think Toei needs to make this happen. There is real potential there. It, there really is. Um, I mean, like, forget Sentai at this point. Go make a detective TV So, Hell, <laughs> call it Space Detective Kendama, for all I care. Detective Kendama? <laughs> Space Serve Kendama. That would be a huge seller. You could even uh, take this to, like, a, to like either Kamen Rider W or Kamen Rider Drive, considering how those are both, like, really big detective series. Yeah. So. But no, we get stuff like the next episode, let's make a movie. And they arrive at this film studio, and they're expecting to sell these celebrities. But instead they find that Sato's are making their own movie, which is weird, but whatever. And the actual producer that was actually making the real human movie lost all his crew. So Cogger decides he's going to make the movie instead, and it's really, really weird. And really, really stupid, and really, really pointless, and... Oh wait, more filler. I I will admit that I've found some scenes in this episode with t- like typical Kagura moments where she's just so adorable, but... Yeah, but at the same time, how much of it can you really take at this point? Yeah, like, this is well, too much. The point where she dresses up as a director and she's wearing a fake mustache, that's when I was... That's when the episode lost me, and that's actually believe. That's actually in, like, the first ten minutes of the episode, so when you lost me at the first ten minutes of the episode, you're not doing anything good. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing... I'm sorry, there's nothing there that really warrants much discussion. I mean, it's just... It's just there. It's just filler. It has no purpose at all. It does, uh... It does... It does have a thing with Akira where, like, he's forced to, like, be, like, one of the... uh, I think he had, like, some sort of, like, female part or something in the movie, and that's just kind of what... That's another part where I was, like, getting really angry, because you're pretty much turning Akira into a comic relief character by this point, and... 
Well, I mean, Akira has been used in the past couple episodes as comic relief for the filler. I mean, Mio dating. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but that's just my thing. Like, I think I've told you guys several times that, like, the past few Sentai's have turned the Sixth Rangers into comic relief characters, and oh, I believe it. I mean, Guy Ikari is a perfect example of it. And that just bugs me. I mean, yeah, I think the Sixth Ranger should always be brought up as. Kind of like a, what, like like the original Dragon Ranger, like a unique character with like a cool backstory and someone that like stands out among the Rangers. But when you're making him a comic relief character, that's no, no, no. And no. even even on the Power Ranger side of the equation, you got characters like Eric, you got characters like Cam, you got characters like uh, Quantum, no, uh, Ryan Ranger. Yeah, Ryan. You got Ryan, you got, you know, you got characters that really bring something to the table. Akira brings something to the table. He's really unique, he's really different, but it's wasted potential. It's so much wasted potential that even Saban would know what to do with it. He, yeah, it would totally give him, like, and more development. And Saban has what to do with wasted potential, you got a problem because, god dang, Saban has been... Big, big problem. Yeah. Alright, so... Anyway, um... Episode 39, things pick up a little bit. Actually, things get really interesting here. Um... We're about to lose Anthony, but he'll come back in a minute. Uh, Scott's really bad. So, it's Christmas, and... The saddle line typically goes less active during this time because of the amount of imagination increasing everywhere else. So As well, and I think it also might have to well, no, 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 as well as imagination, I think people just like having, like Christmas being one of the happiest times of the year, it's just impossible for there to have much darkness spread, so that kind of would cause the shadow line to weaken. Yeah. So instead, we have um, instead of like a happy Yuletide, awesome Christmas time, we have General Swartz tell Akira it's time to fulfill his end of the bargain and they gotta go attack Zet now that he's at his weakness, weakest. So... There. Good? No. There, there was actually a point in the episode, like, just before the uh, opening theme actually started, where Togachi tried to call Akira, but we literally see, like, a shot of his hand, like, hold up his apple changer and just, like, deny the call. So we're, auto- so we're immediately given the, given the hint that something's up. Yeah. So Takati tells everyone that Akira has like blocked a fa- uh, phone call, so they go looking for him at a drill race and find a note saying that uh, he's on that they're on their own for a little while, and that he's with uh, Swartz and all that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just kind of like I don't know Akira. I, I wanted to say in the beginning that I thought he was reverting to his old ways because he just seemed really malicious in this episode. Like, when they actually meet him again, he's actually kind of evil, but at the same time, he's sewing a little restraint ever so slightly to protect him while playing the part that he's meant to play. And to me, that was a little interesting because you got the villain uh, doing his thing. 
and you got Akira trying to help them out. So who? I, I mean, you know. I think. Well, the it was either the no no no, no it wasn't the last episode. It was. It was no, no, no. It was actually that Otogachi episode that we had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. In that episode, we saw that Akira was like trying desperately to find their hometown very quickly. Like, like at one point in that episode, like he was literally willing to just ditch this shadow town so that they could go to the next one in search of it. So yeah. I think his goal was that they find their town so that they can just go back to their normal lives before he has to join with General Schwartz. Well, so, I'm pretty sure that's what he was thinking. Like, that's the only reason he did that. So, so I, so I wouldn't necessarily say that Akira is going back to his old ways. I think he was just, like, he knew that once he had, once General Schwartz, uh, like, called, like, brought him on that deal, like, said, okay, it's time for you it's time for you to hold up your end of the bargain. He knew that he would pretty much be forced to betray the Tokyujers, so he mm-hmm. wanted to get he wanted to get everything done before he would be forced to. So yeah, I think that's just that he does care about the Tokyujers. It's just, well, you know, things just didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's re- it's really a nice turning point because at this point we see some actual um, development. I feel. Not like character development, but like plot development. Things are happening. Uh, Swartz and Akira actually break through and get to the uh, uh, terminal castle. Yeah, castle terminal. And they start wrecking stuff up. The Tokyo's after a little battle with Akira, also follow, and they also approach uh, castle terminal and... It's like an all-out battle of like just chaos everywhere. Yeah, this this is that de- like this is definitely one of those points where I could say that where I could definitely be asking where was all this epicness before? So this yeah. that like I'll even say that um, as a Christmas episode, this is probably one of the best Christmas uh, Sentai Christmas episodes I've seen because a lot of Christmas episodes uh, like I even saw. I even saw a particularly very weak Christmas episode actually today watching Sentai while I was watching Geki Ranger. Like, some Christmas episodes are just really weak one-off episodes. I really like it when there's two-part Christmas episodes. So I'll definitely say that Tokyuter has a good, has a really good uh, Christmas episode actually. And then you have things like Gokai Christmas. What's not, well, no, no, no. I, I don't want to think about the creepy portrayal of Santa Claus in that episode, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So, um, back at Castle Terminal, Nor and Nero find out that Leda's taken over Z- uh, Zed's bar- body again. And she'd been kind of waiting for this to happen. And due to the fact that as the darkness declined, this is the perfect time for her to do it. And Lita tells her mom she cannot leave the, uh, Zed's body bef- before he regains his control. And that, you know, she had been trying to get free, but couldn't. So Lita uh, loses control of her power, of the body, and Zed regains control. Nice. And blasts 
Nor out to Castle, which is pretty damn hilarious in my opinion. Yeah. I really yeah, don't like. Was... I don't. I don't like Nor. Like, just honestly, I don't like her. She got to get the one there. Yeah. And at this point, we see Swartz's uh, Karainer arrive, and he tells everyone that he recruited uh, what he calls Z- Zalim, but we know Zakira, to kill Emperor Zet uh, because of the weakened state of he- he's in because of darkness decline. And uh, they he easily defeats Tokyo Rokugo despite. Um, using a lot of power and he abducts Akira onto his own Imperial Karainer with a Swartz and Pursuit 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 mm-hmm. what the hell did I just say yeah yeah you said it right <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah um words just sometimes don't sound right you know it's like you say it and you're like that's not the right word mm-hmm. um so to see Rokugo falling from the train as uh, as Swartz is in pursuit and the rainbow lines behind them and they stop to uh, get Rokugo and figure to deal with uh, Zet and Swartz and all the others later on and um, I think we should give the honors of what happens next to Anthony given Anthony's uh, commentary in the last part, uh, episode 2 of Took Secrets Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony, go ahead. Okay. So he they get him on the tra- they get uh on the train, right? And he's like, Get off me, guys, I don't yeah, get off me like like, you know, don't touch me or whatever. He talks and he, and they're like, Wait, that sounds familiar and then he unhinges and lo and behold it is Zet. Yo. I was like I called that. It was <laughs> well. Okay, we can definitely say now that the fandom was kind of correct. Yeah, but well, not actually correct. Yeah. It, and I really feel like maybe they did that just to like tease fans or something, like saying, "Okay, me- okay, you thought that Zeb was going to become Tokyo Rokugo? Well, he did for like two seconds." <laughs> so there, there, you've gotten your dream fandom. Now set up and let's continue writing this horrible storyline. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind so of a, true, like, cool. that, that's completely accurate. That's a pretty cool twist, though. Yeah. So, yeah, Zet escapes. Like Zet's on the train now, so it's like, what? What do we do now? Zet is on our train. We're kind of defenseless to stop him, but um. Yeah, Lita re-manifests and takes over Zet's body again, and they kind of, they separate. Like, I think Zet and Lita just separate at this point, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Lita remains on a train, and Zet returns to uh, Castle Terminal, and Lita and them has a plan on how to deal with this problem. And it's at this point where um, they've the, the, another battle ensues, and um, Castle Terminal begins like having these earth, earthquakes, and 
the Toki users realized some really, really bad news. Like, some serious, like, earth-shattering news. Literally mm-hmm. earth-shattering news. Like, um, I will say this. They succeeded in their mission in finding their hometown. And I'll give the writers credit. I, did, I actually did not see that twist coming. No, I none of us saw that coming. I was actually really surprised that that was what happened. Um, so yeah, the Tokyo's hometown is at the base of Castle Terminal. Dum, dum, dum. Which is why we never actually could find Castle Terminal. I mean, not Castle Terminal, but the Tokyo's hometown anywhere else. Because it was in Castle Terminal, which started in darkness, and they couldn't penetrate the darkness to find it. So at this point, I give it up to uh, the writers. They actually put in one glimmer of hope in this failed season. One glimmer. One, one glitter of hope, huh? <laughs> one glimmer of hope, just like Zet is hoping for that one glimmer of Sine to accept him. Exactly. You see what I did there? <laughs> yes, you yep. did there. So, um, the Tokyo's, um, escape after finding the foundation of Castle Terminal is actually their hometown. And they form a plan to reach the, uh, satellite terminal in order to free their hometown. But General Swartz, uh, stops them to try and reason with them and, uh, Akira to, uh, stop for Lita's sake. Well, they tell that Swartz refuses to listen and a fight ensues with him, Baron Nero, and Mork. Um, Mork uses the opportunity to go after Delita to um, extinguish her, like to get rid of her and restore her castle terminal to give Zet back its uh, full power. Uh, but Zet regains control of the body and overpowers the servants before overpowering uh, Akira. And he and... Did he... Did I see that right? That right? And Zet kind of just canceled their own transformations? Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a big fight. A big fight. Uh, Tokyo Ichigo versus Tokyo Rokugo. Yeah. Like... They definitely were fighting, but they they trans they canceled their transformations because of the amount of power they're using up. And right, yeah. and right takes the apple changer back. Yeah. Um, Nate, if you want to pick up from here, you're good to go. I'm getting <clears> a little tired of talking. Okay, so moving on with this episode, uh, and by the way, this is like uh, by the way, this is like the third part of this episode. So we yeah, gotta... we're on episode forty-one to Christmas battle now. That, yeah. So we got a three-parter in this, so I give the writers credit for that, too. Um, a creative three-parter. Who would have thunk it? Right. Anyway, go on. So, Wright takes... So, basically, after... So, Wright uses the hyperatia and defeats uh, Zet with... Uh, and defeats Zet as Tokyo Rokugo and takes the Apple Changer back. So, what happens is that... <clears throat> 
is that General Schwartz arrives and he tries to keep General Z, no, 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 not General Z, sorry, Emperor Zet, uh, held off long enough so that Madame, Madame Noir can come in so that he can save Miss Glita because she was trapped inside of him. And, and what happens is that, uh, well, actually, this was a big fear that, uh, Glita had at, Glita had, where basically, her mother died. Her mother, well, basically, what I'm not sure. Like, I think I got this right, but Zet actually transforms to an even more weirder monster form here. Like, he turns into super demon mood here, dude. Like, yeah, super scary, scary stuff's going down. And... So he, it's called a Z Shin, and basically, what happens is that. Uh, he's like enraged and he explodes in this darkness which results in Madame Noir dying. Dun, dun, and dun. which which I was was I was okay with. Hey, one less sadder to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh <clears throat> and with Glita Freed, General Schwartz sends her away on his personal dark liner, and as he watches her leave, he's happy that he was at least able to save her. Before Zishin comes and kills him as well. So, dun, 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 dun. So, so, for the record, uh, the only two members of the. Well, yeah, 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 two. The only two original villains that we had here from the start of the series now are Glita, who wasn't even a villain much to begin with, and Baron Nero. So, two right. of our. Two of our major villains were just killed, guys. By their own boss, may I add. Mm-hmm. So, it's at this point that the Tokyo's wake up after all the carnage is done and said because they got knocked out from the massive power surge. And Akira's alive, thank God. But he's really upset that he couldn't save their hometown. But the Tokyo's kind of reaffirm and say, look, they didn't care. They were we, just we don't care about all that right now. We just want, we're just happy you're alive because you mean more to us than our town does because you're really one of us. It's a, and pretty... it's a really touchy moment. I'll, I'll give yeah. it that. Like, don't um, leave us again, please. <laughs> huh? They're like, don't leave us again, please. Yeah. And then they go have a Christmas party while Lita visits Swartz's grave. Um... And that basically at this point, Castle Terminal gets really dark because the Zetsin powers gave a huge boost to Castle Terminal. Oh, yeah. Like, gigantic. Like, the powers stirred Ruth. If Zeta was there, he'd say it's over 9,000. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the aftermath of everything that happens, um, Conductor and Ticket give uh, the Tokyo users a New Year's Eve party to kind of deal with the horrible needs they've gotten. And... Is this episode 42? Yeah. And, yeah, well... Okay, I hate to interrupt, but what... This episode is basically just the clip show episode, and almost every Sentai has one. Pretty much. Yeah, this is an episode... It's more filler. Hello, filler. We had but epic... But I did like the ending, though. The ending yeah. was, pretty, was, pretty, was pretty dope. Yeah, we'll get to the ending in a second. That we'll was get to the ending when we get to the end. But, but yeah, I I will say that I think this clip show episode was actually a good one because, like, I've seen a bunch of, uh, well, 
as of the recording of this video, I have seen 17 Sentais, including this one. And I think this is actually one of the stronger setups for a clip show episode. Like, because I have seen weak setups, like, apparently, like, one, like, the Geki Ranger clip show episode was literally, like, the Geki Rangers fighting over who gets to control uh, Geki Chopper's mecha. And, like, and Geki Chopper's like, what are you guys talking about? You guys have your own mecha. This guy's mine, you know, so. Yeah. Was, so, I actually like this clip show episode. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of clip show episodes in general, but. The setup here, I actually don't mind. The setup here is really beautiful. Like, seeing all of them get the letterbox from Wagon to write their letters to their families and going through all that emotion was really, really touching. Though, really? it was ruined by Chikati trying to steal the thunder and get with Mio. What? We should look on the bright side here, but I think this is the only episode, this is the last episode that's Togati. Togachi-centric. Well, we're running out of episodes to talk about. I mean, come on. <laughs> still there, we, there isn't much left here. Still, it's a ble- <clears throat> It's definitely a blessing, though. We won't have to deal with Togachi much anymore, so... Actually, we don't have to deal with a Takati-centric episode all this year. Because the last episode with Takati aired on December 28th. Yep. Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've been officially Takati-free the rest of the season... Yay! Hip hip, <laughs> hooray! Hip hip, hooray! And I'm really, really lame at celebratory things. Alright, so the last episode we're gonna do before we get to the final thoughts and the final finale of Tokyo's, which is a three part finale. Um, it's another filler, but it's actually a good filler because it gives us a backdoor preview to what to expect. Now, in this pre in this episode, we get um Emperor Zet realizing that he's never going to obtain the light. And Mork is like, "Well, how can I break him of his obsession with the damn light?" So, she starts to plot something out. Meanwhile, um Kagura wakes up from a horrible nightmare where she real, for, where in a dream her family doesn't recognize it. she's all grown up. And it's a really frightening thing because at this point they're realizing even if they do get their families back, because they disobeyed the uh, president of the Rainbow Line the families wouldn't recognize them. So even if they do win, they still lose. But it's they some pretty deep stuff. It is really deep, and I mean, I'll give the I'll give the uh, writers a lot of kudos here, because this is some really deep stuff we're going into now. Because you got to remember, these are children. Yeah. These aren't like adults like you and I. These are what, like nine year olds, I think. Yep. I say ten. Nine uh, ten year olds. I'll call right nine. The rest of them ten. Maybe. You could call Togachi maybe seven or six. Or maybe we cannot talk about Takati and be done with it. <laughs> that works. Um, so meanwhile, um, during all this grief from Kagura, um, their train comes under attack by a dollhouse shadow, which basically 
overpowers and sucks in Tokids are four and five, which is uh, Hikari and Akagura. So yep. Nathan, I will say this right here: you got your wish from like episode seventeen or whatever when you're lamenting about how four and five don't ever work together on anything. Yeah, and it actually did pay off pretty good. It did. It's actually a really good filler for it being a filler. And one thing, like I was really hoping, like that Tokyo would do this at some point. I was hoping that they would give us some sort of background on Hikari's Kendama, and this episode finally gives us that. Like, yeah, we yeah. finally got that. Um, so basically, the long story, the short story is, uh, Hikari's Kendama was a gift from his mother, and it's like a symbol of him seeing his family again, because it's the only thing he has of like his old life. Yeah, because apparently um, his mom works a lot. Like she's a single, she's a single parent, yep. and so that well, every time that she would have to go to work, she would always she she would always send him to her grandma. And I think the grandma might have given him the gift. I'm not sure. I think, that's what it was. I think it was the grandma. Yeah, the grandma gave the grandma gave her the gave him the kendama. Kendama, a detective. Mm-hmm. Space Seraph Kendama Detective. This really that's, needs to happen. I'm gonna. I, I don't know. We gotta do something to make this happen, though. That sounds like a good title. You toys gotta make that happen. Space Seraph Detective Kendama. I mean, I've given you the title, Toby. Make it happen. Right. By the way, I'm gonna probably title this episode Space Detective uh, Det- uh, Kendama. Do it. It has to happen now. It does. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. They get sucked into a dollhouse, and once again, Hikari uses his great wits to figure a way out by using his kendama and I think uh, Kakura Sue to propel themselves out minutes before the dollhouse is set to explode that they're trapped in, and this leads to a really big event that'll save the next uh, three, four episodes, whatever's left now, uh, what's going to be happening. Basically, everyone is distraught because they think Kagura and Hikari are dead because, remember, they're in a dollhouse. This isn't just like a life-size dollhouse. It's like a small dollhouse. So they've been shrunk down. So when they're escaping, they're still small. So, it takes a few minutes for them to get back to normal size. Um, but in that time, Wright takes it really badly that they've been killed, basically. And he begins to emit some darkness. Like, like, on some, like some Kingdom Hearts darkness. <laughs> like, yeah, legitly, he is emitting darkness. Like, he should not be emitting that much darkness from him. Especially after all the cleansing they've been doing on the train. Yep, and the only one that actually notices... Is Akira. Yep. Why is it that nobody else notices that? Well, I guess, I guess the because the only other the only other two Tokyo's that are left are uh, Togachi, and we're not going to talk about him, and Eo, who's just there. So I guess they probably wouldn't recognize it to begin with. You're right. The two failures, the two failures, are, are characters were just kind of there watching and like. Herp-a-derp-a-derp. 
Terp, terp, terp. <laughs> yeah, because Akira is smarter than both of them. Well, Akira knows the darkness from inside out because he's one of it at one point. Exactly. But, um... This is where we stop for this part. Um... As you can see, it's still a really big mixed bag of a little bit of good, a lot of bad. Um, there's a lot of filler, there's a lot of pointless episodes, there's a lot of just really poorly executed stuff going on that is made better by some phenomenal two-parters and three-parters that kind of put the story together that should have honestly been done all season. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't get that. We get really bad filler with no purpose whatsoever, and it's kind of irritating. I like I said, I like I loved the Christmas episode. Like this is the first time where we've gotten a three part Christmas episode, and yeah, I love, I really enjoy that. Oh no, but, I did too. But at the same time, everything it doesn't make else, up all the bad filler. It doesn't make it up for everything else. We can't forgive. Oh, I mean, I can't forgive. All the all the bad that we've had to endure to get to this one or two good that we've had, and I think like you can always come up with you can always argue that every Sentai is going to have a filler is going to have some filler, and I understand that. But the problem with these fillers is that we've seen them before, like. Like that, like the episode where Akira pretends to be Mio's boyfriend. I've seen that in like two Sentai's actually. So Kaiser yep. had it too. Yeah, so it like these fillers are just like recycled. And I mean, it's not even like just recycled from like just other Sentai's. These are common things that we just see a lot of in the world, and frankly, it's getting pretty old now. Yeah, like I mean, if they had taken an original approach to it, something a little bit more, maybe if it involved like more of the themes, like darkness, lightness, imagination, and all that, it might be more interesting. But there is absolutely no effort put into these episodes at all. It was just, oh well, let's have Mio and some random dude like have a love triangle with Akira, who's like just the most serious dude in the world, and make him a comic relief character for a day. And again, it it's really surprising because the head writer of this season, uh, who actually wrote a bunch of these filler episodes too, uh, Yasuko Kobayashi. I mean, she's written a bunch of. She was the head writer on a real on a bunch of really good shows. Like, you know, she was the head writer of uh, Gingaman, Time Ranger, Shinkinger, and Go Busters. Plus, she did a few good common writer shows like Ryuki, Deno, and O's. So. This is just surprising. I mean, how I understand that a that a writer might have a few duds here and there, but this is a lot more than just a dud. Not I mean, too many it days. is a lot more. <laughs> like, like for me to count. Also, I just did a little quick count up, and of the forty-seven, I believe, yep, episodes of Tokyo. Thirteen were done by writers not Yasuko Kobayashi. So that means so she wrote most of the season. She wrote 
almost everything except for like maybe um I, I, I lost count halfway through, but like eleven to thirteen, about about eleven to thirteen episodes were written by people not her. Which is which is more or less like one fourth of the entire season not written by her. But at the same time those are probably all filler anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's not all filler just from uh, other writers. C contributed more filler than anyone else. And and yeah, it's just I I think even Power Rangers could be said that a writer might have a few does because like Judd Lynn, who is currently giving us the season that year, all loving a Dino Charge. I mean. Like, he did Turbo, which a lot of people think is one of the worst seasons of Power Rangers. And uh, and he also did a few seasons that not many people are fond of. Like, he did Lost Galaxy, and he did, and he did uh, the, I think it was the first half of RPM, and I know neither one of you guys like RPM, so. I like RPM, to an extent. Well, okay, well, we're not talking about RPM here, but, uh, <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, it, it it's just when I heard that Yosuke Kobayashi was gonna write this season, I had really high hopes because, but no, I mean like the I fandom think... had high hopes. Everyone yeah. had high hopes. Even those of us that are just now entering Sentai, like myself, had high hopes because we've heard all the good that we could get from Senkenzer. Yeah, because they're from the same writer. It's like you know, oh, we got. A Shikinger writer, that's, that's good and good, you know. But, because you know. I haven't seen all these yet, but I've seen Gokaiser, that was pretty good, but a lot of people discredit Gokaiser, Gobuster, and Kyoraiser as good Sentai. And I like Gokaiser, so I could only imagine that if people didn't like these, then this writer must have done something really special for Senkenzer, and therefore, by proxy, that would make Tokizer even more special. Exactly. But we just didn't get that so far, and I'm not going to dwell on it too much here, because we have one more part to go through for the finale. So... I think... I think uh, Kobayashi, which is what I'm just going to call her, she was way too... Sir, she was being way too adherent to what some of the other Sentais were doing these days, because, like... In case you haven't uh, noticed, uh, the past two Sentais that I just that she did, uh, Shinkinger and Go Busters, neither one of those seasons really featured a big toy gimmick. I mean, maybe Shinkinger with those discs, but that wasn't really a big thing. And Go Busters didn't have a toy gimmick at all. Gimmick at all. And you know, and we're and we're definitely at that time where Sentai is really trying way too hard to sell more toys because like almost every yeah. Sentai has a collectible toy gimmick like the Ranger Keys, the Gosedra cards, uh, Cure Ujers, Zyudenshi. So this season had the ratios. So I just think maybe Yosuke, she was maybe at, I kind of get the feeling that maybe Kobayashi wanted to do something different, but maybe Toy was making bigger demands on her. I mean, I'm just trying to come up with an explanation to help, like, fit this all together because it really doesn't make any sense. Mm, well, okay. Let's take into account the fact that she was the head writer on Gingaman, 
Yep. Time Ranger. Yep. Common Rider Ryuki. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dano Senkenzer and Go Buster. And uh, Common Rider O's. Right. Yeah, I forgot about them. And also, she had a contributing part in Mega Ranger Go Go Five and I think Agito from Common Rider. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So, of those that I've listed, I know Time Ranger was phenomenal. I know Gingaman was pretty good. Mega Ranger, I've heard good things about as well. Yeah, I've seen it all the way through. It is a good Sentai. Uh, I've heard really good things about uh, Ryuki. Uh, Senkenzer, I've heard a lot of good too, as well. Go Busters. I'm not listening to the fandom on that one because I believe Go Busters could actually be really good. I watched about the first seven to ten episodes and I really liked it. So I'm reserving my own assessment, but as of right now, I think Go Busters is actually really good. So, so I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe it's a fluke. I mean, who knows? Uh, that's just the explanation that I think I want to go with because, like I said, I mean, when you've had all these good Sentais on your writing resume and then you're just doing all these really lame fillers, I mean, there's just got to be there. There has got to be another reason, a good reason for why you're doing this. Yeah, and we can only hope that there's something like a good reason for why. Yeah. But um, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna cut it here, and uh, we'll pick up on part four uh, later on tomorrow. Okay. So as always, we are Toku Secrets. Um, if you like what we've been doing here, please comment, like, subscribe, share, and let us know how we're doing and what, what we think we can do better for next time. Um, so for now, farewell, good night, and we will see you guys later. <laughs>